Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode... Frank, what episode is this? This is going to be episode four, I think. Episode... Yeah, yeah episode four. Episode four. Cool. All right. Episode four of the... Uh, no, wait. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode four. Nice. Episode four of the... We apologize. We're recording a couple of these ahead of time because... A, we're trying to do more current events, and B, we are also trying to get some of these recordings in ahead of time before Marcus goes to Germany again. So, yeah. yeah plus, we got a lot of things going on in our lives. If if people can actually believe that. Yeah, Marcus also can't feel his legs currently because he just finished running the uh, New York City Marathon, which was on our Instagram. In case you should follow us at Breakpoint Podcast Seven. Uh, be sure to give us a follow and also send us DMs with any of uh, your takes on our podcast. Absolutely. We would love it. Um, so today we're going to be talking everything World Tour Finals. We're going to be reviewing all the players who are in the tournament. We're going to be reviewing uh, who we think is going to win. We're going to discuss the group stages and also whether or not the World Tour Finals should be as valued as much as it is in comparison to other tournaments. So um, Frank, let's start off with some player reviews here. Listed in this tournament, obviously, we have uh, the big three as of right now. I'm considering this the new big three, by the way. Djokovic, Sverev, Medvedev. I, I don't care if it's a hot take or not. Wow. Yeah. I don't I don't know about that quite yet. I think Medvedev is definitely there. I think that you could say that Zverev is there based on his hardcourt swing. But I don't know if I would put Djokovic there because it's tough to project Djokovic out for that many more years. Um, I'm talking currently. Oh, of current? Yes. I think there's a, I, we just spoke about this before, but I think there is a very clear line of demarcation with Novak, Daniil, and Sasha, and then there's everybody else. Uh, I don't, I do not think that Stefanos is, is there, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, Frank, let's go over the, uh, today, they released the groups today um, for the ATP World Tour Finals, which starts on Monday. Frank, we've got Novak Djokovic. Um, give us your rundown. I mean, we all kind of know what he's about. So, Yeah, I mean, listen, I, th- I think Novak sort of speaks for him- for itself. The guy won 27 matches just in Grand Slams this year. Went 27-1. and won. Like, that. that's a really remarkable thing to, yeah, to, to it's like, decent. think yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> decent. Um, it's, it's laughable. Um, so he, he had a... I think you would argue that this has been... Novak's best season of his career I think you could make that argument um maybe not on a percent percentage basis of like matches won but just from like a visual perspective like this guy every single tournament you were like he's gonna win or he's at least the favorite to win it um uh, yeah three out of four majors he just won the Paris Masters the indoor Masters which is gonna be the most comparable to what world tour finals is at least condition wise absolutely i remember them saying during the uh during the tournament on the on tennis channel that they use the almost the exact same surface so it's a very easy transition so i think that's really going to play a role in our predictions later yeah and 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 that was over medvedev who obviously novak you would think if anything would have a little bit of spook because you know medvedev just I, it, that wasn't even like he medvedev didn't beat djokovic medvedev like ended Djokovic's career essentially uh, in that US Open final but yeah I think Djokovic also was just kind of honestly just kind of wanted that whole thing to be over um he was emotionally exhausted yeah he was he was, he was 100% yeah. even you saw that even in, in the Olympic gold match in the Olympic semifinal match uh I think that was something that we both like 
were we were texting each other during that final and that was something that both of us said at the exact same time was just this is a mirror image of the breakdown against Zverev um, in the Olympics. So, yeah, I mean, I think Novak definitely has to be the favorite. Um, I'd, we'll get into who we think is going to win later in our predictions, but I think from like a betting perspective, has to be the odds-on favorite. What do you think? Yeah, I think you can't rule him out as like not the favorite yet. He's still been so dominant this year despite kind of... I think people are kind of... for The U.S. Open loss is kind of overshadowing his overall year. I mean, he won the Australian Open. He beat Medvedev in straights relatively easy um he comes he beats nadal in the semifinals of the french open and one of the greatest sets of tennis i've ever seen and he beat the greatest yeah, set of tennis. and he beat nadal at the french open i repeat he beat nadal at the french open which has only been done three times twice by twice him. by no and once by the greatest tennis player of all time robin soderling shout out to robin soderling um we would like to get sponsored by you i I think we did. No, I actually didn't mention Robin Soderling. Robin Soderling was one of my favorite players growing up, by far. I loved that guy. He just whacked the ball, and it was electric to watch. And he taunted Nadal at Wimbledon, which is one of the greatest moments in tennis history. Yeah, he's my absolute idol. That's why I played like him in high school. I mean, it didn't really get me good results, but, you know. You have the neither here nor there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got to be the favorite. The U.S. Open. Then he, well, he beat, sorry, he beat Tsitsipas then in the final, coming down from two sets level, which is absurd. He rolled through Wimbledon like he was part of the grass. And the U.S. Open, basically, he struggled a little bit. We all knew that he was going to be mentally and emotionally exhausted. No one has ever put themselves through something like that in, and in also, the tennis world. And also with Novak, he has a winning record against every other player in the field. Which I think is besides Medvedev. No, doesn't he have a? I, I believe he four. is. I'm gonna check. Hold on. I thought I was checking this the other day. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I mean Novak. Novak is definitely the odds-on favorite. Um, uh, so wait, let's get the fact check. Was I right about the winning record? It's coming. Okay. Well, uh, in the meantime, uh, I'll transition to the person that we're talking about, which is Daniil Medvedev. Uh, I think Daniil Medvedev's season. I I consider this Medvedev's breakout season for me. Uh, I understand he got to the U.S. Open final in 2019, and that's what most people would consider his breakout. But for me, pushing yourself and getting over that major that major line that Medvedev did this season, that's that's the the breakout. Yeah, I mean he's the one guy from like the next gen who finally won. Okay, well I don't count team in that category, but. The younger anyone born in like nine teams doesn't count because team did not beat a big three member to win that grand slam. He had beaten big three people in grand slams before to get to finals and then lost, but he did not beat a big three member in a grand slam final. That is a very rare thing to do, and Daniil did that. So Daniil is you know for me this is his breakout. He is I think. I think he has established himself at this point as the best hardcourt player in the world, in my opinion. I, I think that is pretty... I don't, I don't think that's a hot take to say. Um, especially on an outdoor hardcourt, I believe he is definitely the best player in the world. Um, indoor is a little bit different. Uh, I think that uh, indoor conditions specifically would probably favor Djokovic just that little bit extra. Um, but I'm going to yeah, pause you for a sec. So we're going to get back to that head-to-head thing. So Djokovic does lead 6-4 to four overall. However, I believe that if I'm looking at this correctly, we got one, two. I believe Medvedev has a winning record on hard courts. Yeah, that's not surprising. And you want to hear, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this one. Ready? 
Guess how many times they've played on clay. Uh, I would say twice. Once. And who won? Once, and Novak probably beat him like 6-love, six 6-1, six or 6-2. Medvedev beat him at Monte Carlo, 6-3, 4-6, You're kidding me. I swear to God, I'll show you this laptop right now. I'm going to watch the, the match. I'm going to watch the highlights of that match. When was that? 2019, not long ago. Wow, that's pretty shocking. Um, but yeah, that actually is one of the things I wrote down for Medvedev is that what I was most impressed by this year with Daniil was that he actually had like a good clay court season. Like he wasn't just a hard court player. He was like did pretty well at the French, got to what was it, the quarterfinals when he lost to Steph. Yeah, so, that was kind of and he pushed and he pushed Steph. And and, and that was expected. Sitsipas was arguably the second best player on clay this season, not named, you know, uh, and uh, Rafael Nadal, and uh, you know, so so Daniil, I think pretty clearly this guy's going to be a world number one at some point in his career, whether it's next year or the year after. Uh, it's just a matter of 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 when that happens. I think he's going to be the guy to unseat Novak as world number one. Whenever that does happen, I don't know, but I think Daniil is very clearly positioned himself to be the next guy like the next dominant force yeah we're gonna save that one for another episode but i could i could possibly disagree with that just because of his lack of ability in the clay season versus other top players yes but i think all he the clay season is short enough that all he really needs to do is get decent results and he will retain a high enough ranking Uh, like he got like getting to the quarterfinals of roland garros is not like you're a horrible clay court like that's, no that's it's a fairly it's not, good result but in order to keep like a number one ranking but keep in mind frank there's three masters like right before that too that's a lot of points to be missing out on like the other guys are going to be grabbing i think it'll be like kind of like a, it'll be like a seesaw thing you know it's easier when you win literally every north american hardcore masters 1000 that you enter in so um facts can't deny that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just this guy's so dominant on hardcore. I think, I think he he'll be all right. Um, so speaking so yeah, of give guys, us, give us... Uh, who are good on clay, let's talk about Stefano Tsitsipas and what he may or may not do here. Now we got to caveat this with um, he he retired in Paris doing an elbow injury. He did not look good. Honestly, and he's, he he claimed he claimed that he has been bothered by that injury for a few, if I'm remembering right, months now. Um, honestly, very well could be. I don't know what happened to him after. I mean, I kind of know what happened to him. He loses the, he's up two sets of love against Joker in the French Open. He's absolutely destroying him. Then Joker goes for a cocaine break. <clears throat> Sorry, bathroom break. Um, <laughs> lol. <laughs> Definitely a cocaine break by people. Um, and then he loses that match. And then ever since then he dropped he's been dropping off i mean wimbledon he loses first round to tiafo he didn't really have a good north american hardcourt summer he you know loses to anybody who's like slightly better than him on hardcourt um a la sverov a la medvedev what he and then, oh, he lost to alcaraz at the open shout out to alcaraz for having a you know great year but alan alcaraz is going to win the next gen finals that's happening currently i mean alcaraz has looked dominant so far i mean he looks like he i think he is the youngest player there and he looks like he is a man amongst boys it's kind of a joke does alcaraz make the world tour finals next year 
No, I think he gets really close like Sinner did this year. I think Sinner makes it next year. I think yeah, Sinner better make it next year. Sinner, Sinner has to make it next year. I think the fact that he pushed top 10 this year is was probably his goal, to be honest. Um, so I, I think Alcaraz probably is going to position himself similarly. Um, you know, uh, we'll 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 get into that 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 topic a little bit more later. But but yes, I, I think Alcaraz is going to be pushing it. Absolutely. Um... Okay, well, basically, so we both kind of agree Steph's not really going to make much noise. So let's get to the other big-time player in this tournament, uh, Alexander Zverev. He is coming off, honestly, a fantastic 2021 where he won Olympic gold. Um, He's completely gotten away with his abuse allegations, which is fantastic for him, horrible for the community. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, unreal. It's, it's unreal. crazy. That's gonna. That's an entirely separate podcast. Yeah, topic. don't worry. We're just gonna. We're just gonna gloss over that for right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, we will address that for sure. Um, but otherwise, I mean, he's been balling. Really good tennis. Almost beat Djokovic at the U.S. Open. Honestly, thought he should have beaten Djokovic in the semis. He should. Have. Yeah. Um, yeah. He got. He was the better player that night. He was very clearly the better player. He just choked mentally. Couldn't win yeah. the the big points. Every single big point, Novak was winning. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen for Zverev. I, this is the best that I have ever seen him play by a significant margin, in my opinion. I really like the way that he has grown his game. I think that the strategy change that he made, you know, probably just before the run up to the Olympics, where he was just like, you know what, my second serve just sucks. I'm just gonna hit a first serve twice. I think that is so much better. An underrated tactic that maybe more players should be following if I wish they could do some statistics on that because yeah. I really think that that would make a difference. This is this is not an, a new concept either. Like this is something that Pete Sampras would do like very consistently throughout his career. Like if your second serve is as bad as Sasha's is, like just just hit the first serve twice. Like you're a professional tennis player, if you give them two serves, like they're probably going to make at least one of those first serves. Like uh, at least a better percentage of the time than he was double faulting, and it, this time at least if you get it in, it's most likely a free point because this guy's first serve is a hundred forty mile an hour bomb. So, yeah, I think I think Zverev, you know, I think he's been fantastic. Uh, this has been a great season for him. I think he's really shown himself to not just be like another up and comer. Like he is, he has positioned himself, in my opinion, now to be in that next big three or next like dominant era of tennis with Daniil, Sasha Zverev, and then I think the third person of that is TBD for right now. But, uh, you know, Zverev is going to be a force in tennis uh, for a number of years. And I think more than ever, I am personally very confident Sasha Zverev will win a major within the next 24 months. I was going to say within the next 12 he definitely wins a major next year, but that's neither here nor there. We gotta, we gotta keep this show rolling. We, we love the thing is, Frank and I love talking tennis so much that we completely forget that we have to stay a little bit on topic. Yeah, we're doing good so far, though. Um, all right, so, next up next is is Rublev, <sighs> who who is a fascinating, fascinating case because last year you could really make an argument was a player of the year candidate, like won a ton of titles like always seemed to win every match that he had to like drop some of like like could never really beat anybody that was better than him but every match that he needed to win every tournament that he entered like he seemingly was winning yeah he was taking care of business unless he was playing you know 
and literally anybody, as, as you just mentioned, anybody who is ranked higher than him, a la Zverev, Djokovic, Medvedev, whoever you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think I think Rublev took a real step back within the second half of this year. I'm not entirely sure where that came from. I think maybe some people, when he first entered, or when he first started to break out, were a little bit overwhelmed of just like, whoa, this guy's forehand is huge. Like, what do I do to stop it? And then everybody just made the tactical adjustment of, oh yeah, his second serve is kind of not really that good. Yeah, his first serve's not that great either. Yeah. And his backhand is really like pretty exploitable. Um, and I think that people just made that adjustment, and I think that's that maybe is why you're seeing him struggle a little bit. But I think it's very concerning for me with him. It's very concerning about Rublev in that he lost the entire Russian swing. Like, he got bombed out in Moscow. He got bombed out in St. Petersburg. That's kind of concerning because that's your home sort of tournament. I know and, why. And, and he lost. Uh, I don't Too know. many Russian Weird. women at night. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and vodka. Quite possibly. And but, uh, vodka. And vodka. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think... Rublev is another one, I think, similar to Sitsipas, where, you know, their ranking is mostly from tournaments that are probably close to the first half of the year, and 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 I don't, I, I just can't see him making a big difference. I th- I think he's pretty, he probably really struggles. Yeah, I, I I see it the same way. Um, I mean, you can never underestimate the power of Bue, but I really don't expect much from him in this tournament, especially in the group that he's in, which we're going to get into later. Um, another guy who we think. It's a very interesting case. Matteo Berrettini. Silently top 10. Silently. Maybe silent to you. I love it. Oh, we got the Italian force here. Um, so. Relax. You you gave your whole pretty pronunciation of Zverev. But um, yeah, I love, I love Berrettini. I think this guy is so electric. I think he's so good for the game too. Oh, I love him by the way too. I absolutely love his game. Home run of a human being. Um, I think he's like a crowd favorite wherever he goes, um, probably because he's literally an Armani model, like posing as a tennis player. Oh, he's my mother's favorite player. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's. I think he's every mother's favorite player. He's my sister's favorite player, too. I wonder yeah, why. I can imagine. Um, but yeah, Mateo, Mateo, I think this was a really important season for him because I think there were a lot of question marks at the end of 2020 of okay, what's this guy's end potential? Like, is he going to be, like, a perennial top 10? Is he just, like, a top 10 this year? Can he actually challenge for a major? And I think he answered a lot of those questions. I think that the he, he proved that he could make a Grand Slam final. I think he's going to have many chances to win Wimbledon going forward, um, a la, like, a Goran Ivanisevic, if you will, something along those lines. Um I think he had great results pretty much at every single major. He got run out by Novak at the first at every at every major, or was it just Roland Garros, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open? I don't know who he lost to in Australia, but he lost. A, yeah, he do, he had a great match against Novak at Roland Garros that I actually think he may have won had the crowd stayed and not been kicked out because of COVID restrictions. I think to get into the Wimbledon final and push Novak and, you know, actually win a set in your first Grand Slam final is a really great result. And he had another great, listen, Novak played really well in that, in that U.S. Open match and and Mateo lost. But again, Mateo, I think made a very important step of everybody that he is beating 
at this point. He should be. And the people that he's losing to are people like Novak Djokovic, Zverev, um, Daniil Medvedev that are players that probably should be beating Mateo. But I think he's established himself now as a perennial top eight. This guy's going to make the World Tour Finals for a number of years. This isn't just a one-season wonder or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I agree. And I just took a look at the uh, the ATP side. So he's 0-3 against Djokovic in slams this year. So Djokovic is the only guy to dethrone him. Australia, he beat Kevin Anderson, Tomas Makchak, and Karan Kachanov. And then he walked over against Tsitsipas, so he pulled out. So we don't know what would have happened there. But otherwise, he's had a fantastic year. Um, he's my dark horse for the event. I think he really... I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to win it. But if this guy gets hot, there's not really much you can do. I don't care what your yeah, name is. When you're dealing with guys that have serve like a one-two punch, particularly like his, it's not just his serve. His forehand is amazing. His forehand is effing massive. Amazing. Like when you're dealing with guys that have one-two punches like that, if they get hot, like you're screwed. Like there's no, there's literally nothing that you can do. Um, all Mateo has to do is just improve his backhand and continue to improve it and improve his return, and and you know he'll be right there. Um, so yeah, I agree. Mateo's got to be a dark horse. Uh, and and what I, I wrote down for him that I really like about him is that there's a very clear game plan with Mateo, which I think is really important for, for a good player. Like this guy, his game plan is I'm going to serve the lights out. I'm going to crank my forehand and that's either going to win me the match or it's going to lose me the match. And there is like a simplicity in that game plan that um it's it's successful against guys who are worse than him but when you want to really kind of break into that real top echelon of like top five he's going to have some serious troubles with that because you're going to have to adjust your game on days and his backhand is not up to par in order to adjust himself now don't get me wrong he's got the thing is he's got to really rely on being hot which can you know result in him maybe not winning a slam or something like that. If he really wants to be like a consistent top five player, top ten, he'll be fine because his forehand and his serve are just ridiculous. But his backhand is a serious liability. And he's also a bigger guy. I just looked on the ATP side. He's 209 pounds. He's a big boy. Well, he's what? He's 6'5", I think? Yeah, 6'5". Like so, um, yeah, I, I, I generally agree with that. And I think that's why the, the counter to Mateo and the people he struggles against are people who have very good returns. Like... Some guy named Novak Djokovic, who is yeah, not a bad returner. The, the 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 greatest returner of the tennis ball of all time. Yeah, so. it's decent. <laughs> uh, all right, now on to Marcus's favorite player, Casper uh, Ruud. Oh, Tell us about him, Marcus. I'm still. I'm really trying to. I'm really trying to root for this guy. I just he won like four 250 events in the summer, and and let me make this clear for all the audience. So after Wimbledon, there's always these tiny little clay court events in Europe that no top tier player plays and Casper Ruud won four of these in a row which is I'm not taking that away from him. if you win tournaments you win tournaments you're a fantastic player but he also never beat anybody inside the top 50 to win any of these events so he's basically a glorified dirt baller who also I mean he did win San Diego I'll give him that but I'm not really vibing with him right now I don't think he should really honestly be in the tournament did he earn it technically? Yeah, but you know he also kind of—I don't know—I I take competition kind of into into consideration. And anytime he plays anybody who's remotely better than him, he loses. 
um and he, and he's got really no shot like i just watched the match against fair of last week as you know he kind of hits this nice it's a really nice ball good topspin and stuff but he can't really blow you off the court and he's going to be laying it up for these top guys someone a la berrettini a la djokovic a la medvedev Zverev, we're just able to be crank off his shots what do you got he for us frank as he has two wins against top 10 ranked players this year two two yeah two wins on the entire year okay hit us against top yeah. 10 competition yeah. One was against Diego Schwartzman when he was in the top 10. When he was in the top 10, and he's fallen off a cliff out the second half of this year, yeah. Um, Diego was nine in the what world. What surface? Clay. Both on clay. Oh, respect. Monte Carlo. No, respect, by the way, people, respect the Casper Ruud on clay. Dirty clay player. Yeah, no, definitely a fantastic clay court player. So he beat uh, Diego Schwartzman 3-3 three and three mm-hmm. at Monte Carlo, and then he beat uh, Tsitsipas at Madrid in the third round, seven six six four, which I think is actually a very nice uh, win. Excellent win. Because Steph, Steph was dominant on the clay. Yeah, but I was about to say, notice the surface, clay. Again, I'm not taking anything away from I just would have rather seen somebody else in his spot, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Frank, what, what are your thoughts on Casper Rude? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I won't be as harsh, I, I think. I think that Casper Rude... The, the word that I wrote for him was solid. I think Kasparud is a solid player. I think he has a solid forehand. He has a solid backhand. He has solid fitness. He has a solid serve, and he has a solid sir, uh, return. Yeah, he's not a guy who's going to lose the match there's by not, himself. There's not really any weaknesses there. Like, I wouldn't say anything is his weakness, but I don't think he has a A++ weapon. That's that's his problem. He doesn't have, like, the Matteo Berrettini serve and forehand. And that's why I like Matteo so much is just, like, I think in order to be a really phenomenal player, you have to have something in your game that is A++. That is Absolutely. a potential best-in-the-world uh, weapon. And, like, for a number of the guys we talked about, there is a very clear thing that is this guy is the could be the best-in-the-world at X um, aspect of tennis. Uh, so I think I, I also wrote that he's very David Ferrer like. That's who he reminds me of. Really? Which, you're which comparing you're gonna, him to you're David gonna, you're Ferrer? Gonna, you're, gonna di- you're gonna diss that. I knew you would. You're gonna diss you're David, David Ferrer like that? Like there we go. But but it is. It's it's a very. I think it's a very similar comparison. David Ferrer was was solid at every aspect of the game, but there wasn't anything there that was like an overwhelming weapon. Like and David, I, I think David Ferrer is to be clear. David Ferrer is a better player than Casper Ruud is. Yeah, you better but, you better mention that. But I think that like in terms of like game comparison, I think that it is somewhat similar. Casper Ruud's just bigger, but true. Yeah, yeah. I guess I can kind of see it, but yeah, don't compare him to David Ferrer. Come on. Yeah, Marcus has a soft spot for Ferrer. Whatever. All right, on to our next. Uh, and final player, uh, Hubi Herkash yeah, uh, from yeah. Poland. Really, really good player who I actually had the pleasure of playing with at the 2017 U.S. Open when I was a hitting partner when he was, well, I was 19, so he's the same age as me. So he's also 19. Flex. Huh? Flex. Flex. Yeah. yeah. You played with Hubi Herkash. I played I actually Flex. with a few guys. You were going to mention Sitsipas. I did play I with Sitsipas. I mean, you want to you go over it or we can go over it? I don't mind. I don't mind. Boo. Tell us what you think of Herkash. Um, I I kind of had a feel, gut feeling at the time that he was going to be good. Honestly, I was warming. He was playing qualifying, and I was like, "Damn, this guy's pretty good." Um, and here's a fun fun fact story. I tried to give him and his coach some advice because I knew he was playing JP Smith, and I said JP Smith is not very good at lo- like retrieving lobs. 
and because I just played with them like a couple hours before, and they just kind of both gave me the death stare. This was his old Polish coach. So now he's got Craig Boynton, who apparently has done him very well because now he is in the top 10. Um, he's had a fantastic hardcourt season. One Miami has been knocking on the door at these other uh, tournaments. Do I think that he's going to have a good week? Mm, he might snag a match, honestly, but I don't think he's quite there yet, uh, player-wise. I think maybe next year he would do a little bit better, but what are your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, I, I, I like Herkash. I, I think the only issue that I may have with him is that Herkash is arguably here just because of one result, right? I mean, he won he won uh, Miami, which, listen, that's a Masters 1000 event. You win a Masters 1000 event, shout out, like, that's amazing. That's a fantastic result. That's better than anything Casper Rude won. But, <laughs> um, but you know, like, I, I don't... I, he's one of the people that I, I, I would say maybe there are others who are a bit more deserving and and I think would be I don't want to say deserving actually because you know you play who you play you win the tournaments you win and that's it but um there are other players who have maybe like to see in this tournament rather than him um but listen he has a great serve he very clearly has weapons right he has a, a a great forehand great serve you know there's a clear play style there um but again I think that him and, and Rude are very, like, if we're making that distinguish of, like, there's the top three layer of Novak, um, Medvedev, and Zverev, there's also an echelon of difference between Tsitsipas, Rublev, Berrettini, and Casper Rude and Hubi Harkash. And my Absol- no, you're absolutely right. There's clear echelons here, and... Um, you know, I, I don't know if Hurkash can ever get into that middle echelon. I think he can just because he has weapons. Really, you don't I think, think so? I think I think this is his peak. You think this I is think his this peak? Is, really? I think this. I think this is as good as he's gonna be. I, think, I, think I, he, I, I can't I, see him get attaining a ranking higher than maybe like six in the world. I, I, but I, I, I think the peak for him would be winning a Masters 1000, which he did this year, and making world tour finals which he did this year i think this is as good as he's gonna be uh that's my opinion and and, and listen that miami open he went against a young uh, an even younger young a 19 year old yannick center who was in his first masters 1000 final and really did not have to beat anybody too crazy i actually think the most impressive victory this year for her cash was fed at wimbledon because the crowd was entirely with fed there's a lot of emotions there you're playing your idol i'm more impressed by that than anything yeah, but Fed was also just completely toast. I mean, his knee was absolutely cooked, and then he took off all this time afterwards. And we really haven't seen him since, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. I think it's just more on a personal level. If we're looking at it objectively, Federer had no business winning that match. No, I don't I don't debate you. Like, I said Herkash was going to beat him. I, I think I texted you that, like, Herkash is going to beat him. But also messed up our Federer-Berrettini bet again. We've had we've had oh, two or yeah, three yeah, of those this year. Yeah, um, I I always bet for, with Mateo. So uh, Mateo, if you ever if you ever listen to this, just know that you've got somebody on your side. Uh, yeah, the deal is um, whoever wins or whoever wins the bet uh, gets the racket strung by the other. So I'm. Well, the the, the first bet was actually at Roland Garros. It was true. Mateo was going to play uh, Fed after his match against the German Dominic Kupfer. Um, and then Fed 
uh, walked over. So, but Baratini just went on to play Novak instead. Correct. Yeah. So, Frank, the World Tour Finals is held every year. How important of a how important of a tournament is it when we're talking not only just tennis players in, in general, but maybe even goat debate? So I don't actually know your. I didn't read your responses to this yet. But my you response to this first, no, or do you not want to yet. First? No, I'll tell you okay. mine. Um, mine is, I think the Olympic, the Olympic gold is the equivalent of a major, in my opinion. Um, I think it is as good as as uh, as winning a major. I think there's the same amount of pressure, if not more pressure, quite honestly. And yeah, so for me, Olympics are just as good as gold. I think the World Tour Finals is, sits just beneath Grand Slams. I think it is more important than any Masters 1000 by a significant margin. And when I talk, think about a GOAT debate, I don't really think about how many Masters 1000s you've won. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, whatever. There's so many of them throughout the year. Yeah, but it's like, definitely, definitely a, factor. a factor. You can't it, deny it that. It is a factor, but for me, that's a minor factor. When I'm thinking of, like, big titles, I'm thinking of uh, Grand Slam, World Tour Final, Olympic Golds what's your record with all those three and that for me actually is like a big knock against nadal when we eventually whenever we ever decide to do the who is the greatest of all time podcast that's that's my main issue with nadal nadal has never won this event it's funny that you mentioned that because in my notes i put um i think it's first of all i would want to make clear i think this is a very important marker for the goats of tennis it's definitely included it's a, a tier below uh, the Grand Slams for sure. And honestly, I think it's the same level as an Olympic gold and I'll tell you why. Yeah, the Olymp- I think that the importance of Olympic gold is so high, but the fact that it's held only once every four years kind of diminishes its value in a way because it can be, it's just a complete crapshoot sometimes. And you can have just like a bad day at, at a tournament and that's like, oh, well, you know, you got to wait another four years, right? At least at the World Tour Finals, you're playing against... Or even just an injury. Or, or, even just an injury. Or, yeah, or you get injured and you just can't play. So I, I think that it's on the same level. Um, I definitely hold... I, I wrote in my notes, I hold it against Nadal for never winning the World Tour Finals. And he's been... He complained for years that, you know, oh, we should have this thing on clay. Really, dude? Snag one. Really? I mean, come on. Snag one. You're, you're able to be Joker and, and, and Federer on other... Um, hard courts now albeit outdoor hard but you got to snag at least one because that tournament is held every single year like for example should should Djokovic and Federer should have they've snagged the Olympic gold probably yeah but then again it's also only held once every four years the dollars in this thing every single year besides this year of course so I I think it's the same level and I think it's very important um and you get some interesting results sometimes. I was just looking at the results for the last 10 years. I mean, you had like 2009, Nikolai Davidenko winning it. You had... Notorious, Notorious cheater, you, Nikolai Davidenko, yeah, match fixer. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Um, Dimitrov won it. Tsitsipas won it. This, this event was the breakout for Tsitsipas and Zverev. 
actually. Absolutely. That they, that they won these events that established them as just like, hey, these guys actually can win events over the big three. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Team also. I, no, I don't know if Team has won lost it. Lost twice but, in a row in the finals. Team, I was about to say, Team has gotten to the finals like twice. And he's beaten Novak here. He's beaten Fed. He's beaten uh, Nadal. He has great results here. Yeah. So, and I think I think it's a really good way f- to that, kind of like at the end of the year to kind of really show you what you're worth. I mean, you're also playing it's a very important tournament also because you're playing the best of the best you're playing top eight guys you have no room to breathe you're playing three matches you're playing against top eight dudes so the quality of tennis is going to be super high and you have no kind of you know oh, i'm going to work myself into this match type thing there's no such thing as that that is tournament or working yourself into the tournament that's yeah that's what i mean i mean that's that and i think that's why the big three have not been quite as dominant at this event is because uh, in the recent, big three in recent, in recent years, obviously besides Nadal, uh, I think I think that the reason that they haven't is because very often, like the perfect example of this is the U.S. Open with Djokovic. Novak literally was dropping sets every match early on, and you were just like, if he plays like this against the top player, he's going to get smoked. But the simple response was, he's playing himself into the tournament. Like he he is literally physically so much stronger than everybody else that as time goes on and the pressure cooks, he'll just be able to beat whoever is in front of him at the end. Uh, and I think that this format doesn't allow you to play yourself into a tournament. You have to be at your highest level at all times. And that's why you've seen some of the younger guys probably do a little bit better. Um, I also like this format because I think that round robin really establishes like this is very clearly like the best player. Like if you have a, a bad day, like you can have a bad day and then fix yourself the next day and be all right. Um, Plus, it makes for a very exciting last day, just like it does, like at a World Cup or a Euro, where you're like, "Oh my God, if he wins this match, this happens." But if he wins it, you know what I mean. All the scenarios, it's the most yeah, exciting. Yeah, like if he thing wins watch. this match in three sets rather than two sets, he gets the tiebreaker for sets one, and like, like there is that like very cool element that tennis doesn't have in any other capacity. So. Uh, it's it's very cool. I I love the World Tour Finals. I think it's so underrated as an event. Um, I'm I, I'm upset that I was born in an era where it was not that it is not in New York anymore. Yes. Um, oh, those were the days. They put it in, uh, in Turin. I mean, I, I know you're a Turin, big Italy fanboy, but yeah, but Turin is an interesting pick because Turin is not even like um like if you're gonna put it in Italy, like I don't really know why you wouldn't put it in Milan and then put the the next gen in Turin. That put would make it more in sense the Roman to me. Coliseum, have it duke it out in the cold. That would be sick. That would be sick. Would be yeah, sick. yeah. I would buy um, takes immediately. Yeah, that would actually be kind of dope. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think the World Tour Finals is a great event. I, I think you hear the older guys specifically talk about how much they value the World Tour Finals, and I think that it's one of these events that the players value way more than the fans. Because a lot of the players have always talked about, like, my goal for the year is to get to the World Tour Finals. Like, that is a goal that some of these players have. A, yeah, and it's and a very, very tangible a goal that you can also measure because there's only eight spots, right? So if you make it to that, you're considered the elite of the elite. I mean, I remember the year that Marty Fish made it. It was like, oh, my God, Marty Fish made the world. You know, it was like, he. it means he really made it. You know, it, it means a lot to and these guys. And that was his goal. His goal was, I want to make the World Tour Finals. And like Yannick Sinner, this year, like when he just missed out, like he said, my goal was to make the World Tour Finals. So I'm upset that I missed it. But I'm happy that I was able to at least push for that spot for so long. Yeah, and that brings us into our next topic, actually. Perfect segue. 
Yeah, because I would have rather seen him than Casper Ruud. We're going to discuss who we would have rather seen. I mean, honestly, I think Frank and I have the same answers. This is going to be pretty quick. We would have rather seen Yannick Sinner than Casper Ruud. Uh, I'd rather leave Hukash in there, actually, than Casper Ruud. No hate, Casper Ruud. I, I think you're a decent guy, but, you know. I, I think I think Sinner over Ruud, yeah. I, because Hukash has beaten Sinner. Hukash beat Sinner. Granted, it was a, a long time ago now, but... Beat him earlier this year at the Miami Masters final, and and you know, Hercash has that. But Sinner, you know, whooped on Casper Wood on Rude on an indoor hard court like what two weeks ago, whatever it was in Antwerp. Like that match was a blowout. It was seven five, and then I think Sinner won the second set like six one. Yeah, so. and, but you know what? I mean, Sinner kind of dropped the ball at the end of this year, man. He couldn't get those matches together that he needed to win. He only needed to win like what was it? One or one, one, match. one more, right? He needed to beat Carlos. If he would have beaten Alcaraz, he would have actually leaped Hercash and Rude. Um, so it would have so been a duel. A, a, it would have been a, a duel between Hercash and Rude to get the final spot. That's too bad, but shout out to Alcaraz because he played some seriously good ball. So. Well, listen, I think that's one thing about Alcaraz that you have to say is in the big moments in these pressure situations, Alcaraz seems to like have that Nadal effect where he like goes up to another level. Yeah, or is on Sinner, steroids. Yeah. <laughs> but Sinner has, Sinner has a yet to sort of... I think show that yet the closest that I've seen him come to that was against Monfi at the U.S. Open, where the match seemed like it was slipping out of his hands a little bit, like the crowd being all against him and everything. And then in the fifth set, he just went up another level that Monfi just doesn't have anymore, and, and was able to win that match, and that was hugely consequential. But you know, I think I think when you're looking at the field, do I think the Casper route is going to even win a set at this tournament? No, I don't. Ooh, I, I don't. I don't think he wins a set. And do I think Yannick Sinner would win a set if not a match? Yes. Yeah, I think no very clearly yes. Um, not only because indoor hard courts Yannick is very good on. It's also but, in Italy. Um, it, a, two, it's in Italy. Uh, but three, I just think that the ceiling of Sinner's game is infinitely higher than Casper Root's game and even Herkash's game. And I like Herkash, but that's my opinion. I also wrote down two other players who I think were notable nominees for this, which was Felix Felix Auger-Aliassime, FAA, and uh, Carlos Alcaraz, honestly. I wrote down Alcaraz because I, I think this kid is just lights out. I mean, he he is so clearly going to be a... Like if if I'm a top thirty player and I see this guy in my draw, like I am like smashing my racket because I'm just like you got to be kidding me. Like I, like, I, I think I, I would want I think nothing to do. I really yeah, do. I, I I don't debate. I'm not saying no. I I just I don't know if he'll have enough time to, to. I don't know if he'll be able to fully establish himself quite yet. I got I got the solution for him ready. But especially because the, you know what the problem is going to be? He's got a lot of points now to defend at that U.S. Open. Yeah, but I know how he can make up for it. You ready for this? Pull a Casper Rude. Just just snake all the low Are you kidding events. me? He will win yeah. every single clay court event yeah, of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I just, I, I see a very clear path for, for Jan because Yannick has no points to defend at Wimbledon. And he has no points to defend at Australia. And he's going to be ranked in the top eight, so he's probably going to have a very clear path to at least the round of 16. 
So you're talking about Yannick easily picking up almost 1,000 points right there, just on those two tournaments. The only things he really has to defend that's going to be a huge uh, hole potentially is the Miami Masters getting to the finals. That's going to be a, a potential problem for him. But, you know, uh, Alcaraz, listen, the, the first six months of the year, that's going to be the determinant because the, the second half of the year, Alcaraz was, was in the scene. Like, he has good results. Like, he got himself up to, the, you know, top 40 in the world, whatever. We're going to be able to tell whether Carlos Alcaraz is going to be able to make the World Tour Finals within the first six months of the year because we're going to see how well does he do at Australia, how well does he do at... Um, he even got a decent result at Roland Garros, so you can't even say that. But how well does he do at Indian Wells, and how well does he do at Miami? Those three tournaments. If he does well at those three tournaments, he's making year-end finals. Yeah. That, no, that would true. be my guess. It's true. Okay, second to last topic here, Frank, that we're going to get into. Do we think that these are the best eight players in the world? I'm going to kick it off here and say no. I think that uh, because the absence of Nadal and Dominic team, we are left with only the six best players in the world. I think that no, it, not counting it. You don't, don't. I wouldn't count injuries. If if we're not counting injuries, assuming that the injured players. Oh well, you know, in that whatever, case, uh, are these the eight best players in the, that are currently able to play available? In the world? Okay, yeah, then you got to take out Casper Ruud and put in a Yannick Sinna. I mean, it's basically the same conversation we had. So, so uh, but, but if we do want to include injuries, mm-hmm. how interesting would this tournament have been if we had Nadal and team? I don't know if it would be as interesting with Nadal because I don't think Nadal has done well at this tournament. So I don't. I don't, I don't yeah, know. but you know he no, really, really wants, wants it. it. He does really and it's want a, if, it. If it's but a, Novak really wanted the U.S. Open and wanted Olympic gold, and he guess what? Down but it, it, it's also a slower court. If it's gonna be, if this court's gonna be as slow as it is in Paris, that would have been very nice for him. And honestly, same for Team. Team's also itching to get this thing. Team. team. Oh, I think I think Team would be very interesting in this. I think Team would instantly. Again, assuming team is actually at full capacity, not injured. Um, <laughs> LOL. Um, I think he would easily be in that top echelon with Novak, Daniel, and Zverev. I think uh, yeah, he, the, he, he, ma- he rounds it out and makes it like a top four type thing. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. Um, okay, so I, th- I think we're on pretty much the same page there. Um, although I actually somewhat disagree. I think even if we take away... Um, the injury aspect, right? We're talking about the top eight players available to play. I would take out, I would put center in there, definitely. And I, I would honestly argue, put in FAA. I think FAA has proven that like his ceiling is quite high. And I think in the second half of the season, since he's high, since he's been working with Tony Nadal, I've seen some improvement with him. Uh, enough improvement that I think I think he 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 would be very very close to a spot. Like I think that FAA would have the potential to to upset one of the players above him. Whereas I don't think that um, Root or Hercash necessarily have that potential as much. I th- yeah, but I don't know. It's a, that that one might be more of a hot take. Yeah, so. no, not necessarily a hot take. I think that's just a personal preference type thing. I would take Hercash over him just because I think Hercash has more weapons and a little bit more well-rounded. Honestly, FAA's backhand, very true. Massive that's liability. Massive liability. You and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep. If FAA fixes his backhand, 
easy top yeah, five watch player out, in the world. Easy top five player in the world. Absolutely, watch out. Um, yeah, so, all right, so we're basically on the same page with that. All right, now, final topic. We're doing perfect on time. I'd just like to point that out. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, give us your predictions. Who wins? Who plays well? Who bombs out? What do we think? So, so I think we should I, do this by group. So we're going to go over group green first, which consists of uh, of Djokovic, Rublev, Tsitsipas, and Kasper Ruud. Um, Joker is the obvious favorite to be number one, and I think he will sweep all matches yep, easy. by far. Djokovic, Djokovic wins that. Yeah. Well, Djokovic wins that group. Not even worth talking about. Not really worth talking about. It's going to be a battle for a second. Second place, um, I'm going to pick Rublev. And the reason for that is Tsitsipas is injured, and he looks really... He, he was so badly injured that he had to just flat-out quit his match in, in Paris. So I don't really see how he can quickly recover in that and win at least, you know, two matches in this event um, playing against top eight guys. Casper uh, Ruud, again, does he win two matches? No, he maybe he sneaks one, honestly. Not even... Honestly, not really. So I don't. The only it's kind of like by default Rublev because I think Rublev is gonna add, even if he, even if him Sitsipas and Rude all go like one and two, I think he'll have like a better game or set differential. So I think Rublev will go two and one. He'll probably beat Sitsipas honestly, and and probably beat Rude. He'll lose the Joker, uh, get second in the group. What are your thoughts? Um, I just agree. I think Steph gets second. I think because Steph has won this event before, I will default to him getting to second place Even there. with injury. Even with injury, because I think that Rublev has been playing horrible. And I understand Steph has also been not been playing really fantastic, but like Rublev looks lost. Like this yeah. guy like does I, looks like he doesn't know what's happening. I totally agree. And I, the only thing that I would say about that is that one, that guy can get hot at any point which is extremely difficult to deal with. And two, it is an indoor hard court. So that might serve him well. I'm not, again, I'm not faith. I'm honestly not really comfortable picking anybody to make second out of this group. Oh, um, I agree. I'm, I'm, I mean, basically, you I'm saying Sitsipas by like a, a very slim. Uh, yeah, you're basically picking Sitsipas or Rublev because you're not really picking Rude to get out of there. And Djokovic is clear and obvious, number one. So you're kind of picking between the two. It's basically like who's going to win that match. Yeah, and I, I would take Sitsipas, but again, yeah, it, I, I, I don't. It's apples and that, that Whoever is the second person of that group is going to get whooped by um the second place the first place person from group red, the, uh, yeah. from group yeah, so, red so let's get into group that red, what do you got uh yeah i mean i think it's pretty cool i think group red is actually very clear top two i think it's going to be daniel medvedev and it's going to be sasha zverev medvedev will win the group zverev will get second um as for who wins the match between medvedev and zverev i would say medvedev in three sets that would be my pick very close yeah, that's right about where I'm at. I, I I see them making it out too. I can't really see it going any other way. The only person who I could see possibly making it Mateo. is Mateo just getting super hot, taking out one. He only needs honestly, if you think about it, Mateo only needs to take out one of those guys. Oh yeah, He's, he only needs to beat one. He he. What he needs is for Sasha Zverev to have a bad serving day. And then he is into the next round. Absolutely. Because at that point, like, it doesn't matter if he loses to Medvedev. Berrettini should beat Herkash quite easily. And then he has two wins. He's on to the next round. Yeah, that's the only way that I can really see it happening. He needs to get really hot. Otherwise, I think Zverev and, and, and Medvedev take care of business. And I think they're both... 
they're both going to be pretty motivated to make it to the next round because they both want to crack at this at this crown for sure. Um, so, so I think what we're saying is the matches that you would want to take a watch for, uh, or look out for rather, are Berrettini versus Zverev, Medvedev versus Zverev, and um, Medvedev Berrettini, Sitsi Pass oh, yeah. versus. Um, oh yeah, Tsitsipas okay. Rublev is basically the, versus that's the second. Those are the three matches that are going to be the most consequential in this. In our prediction. yeah, that's going to be the second place decider. Um, and I, I mean, again, the the, the sphere of Medvedev match is obviously going to be extremely important. Because um, let I mean, let's say if Medvedev, if he. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I see him making it either way, honestly. First, or even if he loses Zverev, I don't imagine him losing to Berrettini. Also, I could absolutely see Zverev losing to Medvedev, and just Berrettini just getting super hot. Zverev having just a bad day, you know. Maybe his because maybe the, his because blood the issue really the issue order, with you know. Zverev, and this has always been a problem with him, is is that his we talk about players have a high ceiling, right? Zverev's floor is really low. <laughs> like Zverev, Zverev's floor is, I can't make a second serve. I'm gonna like. It's really low, it's not, right? It's right. it's really bad. Like his blood sugar. <laughs> also, a separate podcast. We're not getting it. We're not touching that with like a ten foot pole. Um, but you know, it, that's the problem with Zverev. But again, I haven't seen that as much this year, so I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I think Zverev and, and Daniil get through. So then at that point, we would now... So who do you think... So you think the order would be Daniil and, and Zverev? Yeah, like I think Medvedev beats Zverev, sweeps the rest of the group. Zverev will most likely get second place. So that leaves us with semifinals of Zverev versus Joker, Rublev versus Medvedev. I got Joker beating Zverev. I really don't see Zverev beating him there. I don't know why. It just seems like Djokovic has kind of... He's back on a mission a little bit. Zverev, again, his second serve could be way off on the day. And Djokovic is honestly, I mean, okay, besides Olympics, has redeemed himself, beaten Zverev there. And Zverev didn't really look too good last week in Paris against Medvedev. He got absolutely murked. So I, th- I think that Djokovic wins that match. Um, I'll go Zverev. <laughs> wow. I'll go Zverev. Uh, I'll go Zverev. Uh, I, I think that Novak has not really played well at the World Tour Finals the past few years. So I, I'll, I'll just throw out. I, I think this. I think this tournament generally favors the younger guys. So I'm going to go with Zverev. I don't, I don't as to why there's a reason for it. I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling it. I mean, so, listen. There. I, I I don't know. I I think I think Zverev gets through. Can't, I can't knock you uh, for that take because. Zverev, we know Zverev can beat him. It's not like it's like, oh my God, he just. It, we know he can beat him. He did it this summer, people, and he's done it in the past. Yeah, yeah also, by the way, should have. He should have. 2018 at the World Tour Finals. In the finals, he did it. So, he's absolutely yeah. on part. Yeah, of I, th- I think Zverev is comfortable on this surface. So, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Zverev beats him. Just just for the. Just because, why not? No, listen. If that's what you believe, um, you believe it. I mean, yeah, yeah certainly. I, I do. So. I think. I think the World Tour Finals generally has upsets. We got to have some level of upsets. I think Zverev is going to be that. And what do you? However, I think, I think no matter who Daniil Medvedev faces, he will destroy. I was going to say you don't think Rublev's so going to take out Medvedev? Not even a shot in hell. Um, it's just a zero percent chance that that occurs. Medvedev will beat whoever is in front of him, and will get to the finals. And then I think in the finals, a la Paris. Medvedev is going to 
absolutely squash Zverev and for the second win. time in the tournament. You think? Yeah, really. Yeah, 100%. Uh, think, so what's Medvedev is my pick to win this whole. So what's interesting about that is that if you if you look at the history of the tour and defends and defends his crown. He won this last year, so Daniil Medvedev would retain uh, the World Tour Finals title. And if you look at the history of the World Tour Finals and players who have played each other in the round-robin stage and then play each other in the finals, usually the flips, the, the flip scripts, Jesus, the script flips. Um, shout out to my neighbor's dog. Yeah. Um, I, I think if Medvedev beats Zverev in the first match, I could see Zverev using that match especially first i mean if, if serif can get through joker he'll be riding on an all-time confidence high in this scenario and i think he could really at that point i think he'll just pull it off i think he'll learn from the match that he played in the round robin stage and i really think that he'll be able to pull himself together if he's feeling confident with the serve i mean good luck to medvedev i, I think that that could happen me personally i don't see Zverev beating joker in that semi i really just don't see it um I obviously don't see Rublev beating Medvedev. Uh, anyone who does, p- please DM us on Instagram and explain why. Um, and I think, I think Joker wins it. I think he's, I think he's just gonna cap off the year strong. He's gonna rest up and then send the message. Send the message, kind of like oh, he's gonna send. I'm still out. here. This ain't over yet, type thing. Um, I, yeah, I just think that he he. He really needs this tournament. I think he just really, really needs it. And he just beat Medvedev he, on a similar surface just a week ago. Yeah, but here's the most important question. When he won a major, at, at any of his major victories, did Novak Djokovic do a FIFA dead fish celebration to win it? No, but a man. Nope, and Daniil Medvedev did. So there's the answer to that question. Yeah, but there's, I'll take there's still, <laughs> there's still opportunity, though. Still opportunity. <laughs> Uh, no, Novak goes to hug his kids now or whatever. He's boring. Um, whereas Medvedev just talks about like playing FIFA all night in preparation. Honestly, another goal for this podcast, play FIFA with Daniil Medvedev. That's How do we arrange that? I don't know. I love Daniil. I've, Marcus can tell you, I I love Daniel I'm a big time Daniil fan too. I, we both love Daniil. I, I think he is so good for the game. The second that I saw this guy in 2019 at the U.S. Open, I was just like, this is the person that tennis has needed for so long. The second I saw him start beefing with Tsitsipas at the Miami Open, also sold. You had me sold. You had me at Dan- it. Once you, your name is Daniil, and you're arguing, and I was like, "Perfect. This is exactly what we need." Also, an extremely, extremely unique game style. Have you ever seen anybody, not even just pro tennis, any professional athlete, maybe okay, besides maybe basketball players, at six foot six run that fast? The guy is like the quickest dude on tour, and he's six foot six. He has a hammer of a serve, and from the baseline. He's just a wall. Yeah, he's I a mean, wall. He's a His strokes wall. are unorthodox. Daniil Medvedev is the player that I think breaks so many molds, and it makes me so happy to see him do well because it's just like and he to uses all a of these coaches, to all of these coaches that are just like you need to like hit your forehand this way, you need to hit your backhand this way, you need to have perfect like whatever. Like no, do whatever is comfortable for you, and it'll work. And like Daniil is like a perfect example of that. And yeah, this guy just never—he never hits the ball short, ever. No, 
He nah. just never hits the ball short. No. I mean, you saw it in that US Open final. Djokovic, Djokovic had zero idea what to do. He was about to lose his mind. Djokovic was, Medvedev would just basically hit every single ball with like towards the middle of the court, but just like deep near the baseline. You, what are you gonna do with that at that pace? And that also the most yeah. underrated serve on tour by a very big margin. Oh, like fantastic the reason, serve. The reason that he won that U.S. Open final is because Novak literally was unable to return. I mean, serve. you better serve that well at six foot six. I mean, we just talked about two players in Stefano Tsitsipas and Alexander Zverev who are as tall and have, in my opinion, wildly, wildly horrible serves in comparison to what their serve should be. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And it is what is holding them back from being top three or basically winning slams at this point. I don't know how Steph... People talk about like, oh, Steph needs to have something besides oh, a topspin one-handed backhand. Like, he needs to be able to slice the ball better. Like, no. That's not the problem with his game. The problem with his game is that his serve sucks. His serve is not a weapon. His serve is not something that, like, other people fear. Like, it's it's okay. It's good. Like, it's fine. That's the point, but, like, right? He's six foot five. He's listed at six foot four, but he's taller than that. And his serve is just nothing like put it up against Matteo Berrettini's who is the same height it's a joke yeah you, I don't yeah, understand you can't, you can't how this guy is not working on, working not. on his serve all day every day like it's it makes it would make the game for him so much easier if he had a dominant serve and that's what Daniil did Daniil realized that oh if I have a dominant serve I could allocate all my energy during a match to just breaking this other guy and that was the transition. And right, like and, and Novak over time has had the same thing of just realizing I'm getting older, I can't just physically out duel everyone every single time for eight matches, seven matches in a row. I need to have a dominant serve. Same thing. And Nadal took his game to the next level when he improved his serve, and that's how he started winning matches on hard courts and grass. I mean, yeah, the serve is um I wouldn't say it's underrated, but it's sometimes overlooked a little bit in, in, in determining guys' greatness. And uh, it's going to be a big factor for these guys. Um, yeah, a la Zverev and, and Zizipas, if they really want to win multiple slams and be a consistent slam threat. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. All right. I think we covered it all. We went a little bit over, but that's all that's right. That's all right. We, had good, um, we, we actually stayed on topic for once, which I'm very, very proud of us for. So yeah, that, job, that, well, we always go off a little bit, but then we end up creating new podcast ideas out of that, so that's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, endless stream of content, if you will. So uh, we will sign off here. Uh, if Casper Rude ends up winning this thing, which I know he's going to now, um, now that Lord we officially cur- cursed that. Um, we will definitely post something on Instagram of us admitting that we're wrong, but I don't think we will be. So, uh, thanks guys for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram, uh, leave us a review on Apple podcasts on Spotify, give us, you know, five stars, write us, you know, tell us, uh, that you disagree with our Yonix opinions and, uh, thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. Take it easy guys.